0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Others will be coming in. We're glad you're with us on this Sunday morning. Um, I will say we're looking forward to the word today from Brother Walkstetter, great friend of ours. I would like, if you would, to um, just before we get into a word would you be so kind to stand with me? I have felt, and I know we're all aware, I'd like us to pray for what's going on in the Middle East. We've, we don't know where this is going. We don't know what's going to happen. I do believe God has us in, in whatever. But I know that prayer is valuable. Would you just pray with me for the will of God to come involved? God, in your name, we're asking right now for your touch, Lord. We have this nation that's under attack, under assault. God, you're able. We're trusting, believing, holding that Lord, that you will answer. God, you will deliver. You will provide. We're praying it, God. I believe it, Jesus, that you will work with it. In the name of the Lord. 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 Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you this morning for being here in this first word. Um. Looking forward to a very powerful day today, in the Lord, and I believe that it's it's here. We're dealing with, and I liked the idea of it from the beginning. We're dealing with God's amazing people, amazing people. I thought um, when I was studying for this before I even came up with an individual that I felt, what makes a person amazing? I mean, it's not what you wear. It's not necessarily how you talk, sing, preach. It's not a ball player, not not what we're dealing with. But what makes a person amazing? If we're gonna look at these, if these examples that have been brought, and I don't even know how many we've had so far, but if they are going to if they're gonna speak it, something that they're saying needs to come back and touch me. How do I compare my life? How does this impact on me? And I was thinking. In this, this is where my mind went. In Hebrews, the eleventh chapter. We'll read just a couple of verses. Verse thirteen. After it lists some of the people, it says these all died in faith. There's so much could be said from this one verse. Not having received the promises. But they saw them, they believed them, they reached to them afar off. And they were persuaded. If you don't believe this truth, this message that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun, you're you're missing it to start with. They embraced these truths and confessed, acknowledged, we're strangers. And pilgrims on this earth. The old song said this world is not my home. I can't get in love with what's going on here and miss what this is really about. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. There's something else. And truly if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out of, they might have had opportunity to have returned But now they desire a better country. Okay? That is in heavenly. That's what this is all about. We're not just having church. There's something going on. But this next statement is where the amazing comes in. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. That's a powerful statement. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I looked up the word amazing, it means causing great surprise or wonder, astonished. That's good causing great surprise. Hebrews 11, we've known and we've read it, it's known as the faith chapter. It's kind of, even though it goes somewhat in depth on a few, there's basically eight men and women that it references, and we see little bits of their life, but we understand. But these are the men and women who, are recorded here because of their faith in God. But you know something that has always kind of got me is when Paul's writing about this, Paul goes on and he makes this comment in the 32nd verse, he said, "What more should I say?" He's talked the last one he talked about was Rahab. But what more should I say? I don't have enough time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Write another book. We're talking about some of these other people. Write another book, Paul. Don't let us go here. We don't have time. You know what? The ones that he didn't have time to talk about, these are those, the women... The men of faith who we have looked to in our lifetime and we've drawn to and we've built our ability to stand based on the ones that he said, I'm sorry, I just don't have time to talk about some of these. Well, it's one of these that he didn't have time to talk about. I want to talk about the prophet Elijah. And there's unlimited information that we could get involved with with the prophet Elijah. Elijah, the name Elijah means Jehovah is my God. That's a good place to start. That's a, you know, it looks to me like his folks must have had something in mind when he was born. Now, I know... Brother Walkstetter is, he's a good friend of ours, and he's, if you want to know anything biblically, talk to him because he's got the answer. Am I pretty much right? <laughs> well, I've always assumed that. But you know what kind of got me a while back? Because, you know, Elijah is Elijah. When you talk, I guarantee you, if you said, all right, Start talking about the prophets. Name, name five of them. Elijah's going to be one of the first ones that you talk about. I mean, I don't, you ought, he will be in the top five, but he's probably going to be, he's the first one that comes to my mind. But you know what? The first time we ever read about Elijah is in 1 Kings 17 and 1. We don't. How old he is, I don't know. Where does he come from? Really, we don't know. All of a sudden, he just appears. It just, just, boom, here he is. And did God talk to him? I don't know. Did God deal with him? It doesn't say. You can assume anything you want to, and if it makes you feel good, you can even think you're right but I don't know anything about him. I don't know what God said to him. All I know is when he steps on the scene, when he walks in immediately, it looks to me like he just steps in the midst of of calamity that's going on in the nation of Israel, and he stands before the king. He goes to Ahab, and that first verse said that he, he goes before him. He said, it isn't going to rain. And he, he declares before the king and the kingdom, God is about to do something very, very powerful. He makes that statement. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. It takes a lot of nerve and a lot of confidence in God to be able to stand up in any situation and to say, the Lord's going to do this. I mean, I don't care where it is. The Lord's going to do this. But it takes even more nerve and confidence in God if you're standing before a wicked king a sinful nation and you begin to say, the Lord is tired of this. We we stood and prayed over Israel. I'm going to tell you what. The Lord's still the Lord and he's still in charge. He's still in charge. But when you stand up and you say, Ahab, king, listen to me. There is a God in Israel. He is still alive, and he's still in control. And some this is Elijah. This is our introduction. But I have often wondered when I've read about Elijah, why have we not been told about the working of God through the life of Elijah? I'd like to know some things about him. I mean, you know, our history tells us whether it happened or not that George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. Boy, I'm so glad they told us that in school. My life has been forever changed. And then later on in life, I found out that was not true. They were trying to say George Washington would not tell a lie. Who chopped down the cherry tree? I did. Comes to, apparently he did not. So everything, I guess everything I learned in my school years is all fictitious now. I don't know. But I'd like to know some things about the man. I really would. I'd like to know how God dealt with him, when God began to reach him, when all this happened. All we really know prior to to this are at rights in James, anything is later on when James writes, in James 5 and 17, and he writes this, he said, Elijah was just like you and I. Don't think these people were someone superhuman. They had the same emotions, the same feelings that we have, they had the same anxieties that we, we face with, and that's why you ought to look at these lives and let them impact you but he was just like you and I, yet, yet, when he prayed that it wouldn't rain, no rain fell. Didn't, no rain fell on the ground for three and a half years. From what James is saying and what James is instructing us in this is that Elijah went to God. Now, okay, that's good. No, wait a minute. It doesn't say that God came to Elijah. Did he? I don't know. Does it matter? I don't know. I'm just talking about an amazing prophet. Elijah prayed to God, and we still have not heard one word that God spoke to Elijah. Assume it, yes, I, fa- I, I don't know, but there's no definitive statement. And God said, You know, a lot of times when we are going through, and again, if I don't learn something from these amazing people, it's wasted. But oftentimes in our walks, in our lives, I'm waiting on God to tell me something. And God's waiting on me to say something. Oh, God, speak. God's saying, you have everything. Tell me what you want. Say something. Say something that may even be far out there. You know, we've got family that we all of us we want to see. We have friends we want to see brought into the church. Why don't we start talking to God? See what it's telling me is that God responded to His prayer. The first we hear about God coming back, He prayed, and God responds. You know, okay, you're in a situation. You're the pro, you're. A, I guess he was the prophet at the time. I, I, I'm assuming all this was still going on. But you have a town or a, you have a nation, rather, that is inundated with, with wrong, with things that are terrible. Um, they're sacrificing their children. They're, they've got... Devil worship going on. There's wickedness on top of wickedness on top of wickedness. And in walks one man, not an army of men, one man walks in. And basically, there's two ways, and this is what I gained as I was looking at this there's two ways that Elijah could possibly go. Two ways. He could look at the sin that had consumed Israel, okay? It was obvious. It was there. And he could simply do nothing, go about his business. I have no control over this this stuff. I can't do anything to an Ahab. I can't. I'm just going to go take care of my business, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. The second thing, this is a second option, or I can go to God, and I can ask God to turn this world upside down. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of the wickedness. I'm tired of of watching all of these things turn away from God, and, and to me personally, when I was looking at this as a church, I think the greatest power, the greatest potential that we've ever had, when it said, and Elijah prayed, the greatest potential we have as a church is to go to God in prayer. It's not a little, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. It's not God bless this food. And all that's within me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pushing something away. And I'm talking about saying, God, I see a world that is filled with wrong. I'm talking about looking at family members and saying, God, I see my family involved in things I'm not happy with. Go to God in prayer. And I mean pray. How long did Elijah pray? I don't know. Was it a one-time prayer? I don't know. I, I, I mean, these are things that it doesn't really matter. All I know is he prayed until the heavens shut up. He, pr- he prayed and God did what he asked him to do. You know, amazing people. And, and there's been some, all, all of the lessons to me have been encouraging, but amazing people should become examples to us and for us. If I look through this book and look at these lives, I need to say, this is what I want to pattern my life after. This is how I want to look. I can look at everything that takes place with the prophet Elijah. And, and I think, I told someone one time, not, I mean recently, probably never going to happen. I said, I'm thinking about writing a book. Okay? And it's not a book on humility and how I obtained it. That's not it. Uh, But I'm thinking, I told someone, I said, I'm seriously thinking about writing a book. I got to studying on Elijah, and I barely got the statement out of my mouth, and there was a couple people there, and some, you know what? I've been told I need to write a book, too. I thought, poohy, there goes my book writing (laughs) career, you know? But... But when you think about what goes on here, I can look at the, all the instances that take place from the beginning. And we only, again, we just have a little time frame of the life of this prophet. I don't know much about him. But yet, his life touches me but I can see the things that happen in his life I have no idea how many messages I've preached on Elijah but I can look at it and I can clap my hands I can raise my hands I can rejoice and say whoa, isn't God good look at what God will do I And then if I'm not careful, I go on and I worry about my little problems. What am I going to do? I just bragged on Elijah. I just bragged on a man that went through some phenomenal things and did some tremendous things, and then I'm going to worry about my stuff. So I can either applaud or I can look at his life and his action, and then I go to God. When something needs to be done, go to God. When something, don't, don't go to one another. Don't, you can't go to someone else and say, because their response is going to be, one of two things, yeah, I know what you're saying. Thanks. Or they're going to respond with, I don't know. Again, thank you. I'm glad I took the time to confide in you. But if I go to God, and I don't mean just go to God. I mean go to God. Here's the need. If you don't express it, it must not really be a very significant need. Here's my need. And then Looking at the prophet Elijah should be an example to me. You know what? I don't have to tell anybody else this, but you know what? I'm getting ready to do something. What you going to do? I don't know. Sometimes what I may feel to do might seem ridiculous to somebody else. But if I'm going to go to God and I want something to happen... I don't care what it looks like to anybody else. It's not this between God and I. This is, here here I am, God, and I'm going to reach out. Elijah, now, the greatness, the amazing part of Elijah, this may seem a little bit, uh, is not because of what takes place in 1 Kings 17. Now, I think it's pretty neat. There's some neat stuff going on in here. Ravens bringing bread and flesh. I've stated this many, 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 many many times. Where did they get that flesh? Ravens are like buzzards. I went down the road. I was going to Whitehall, Pine Bluff area Friday night, and I interrupted a buzzard picnic. There was something flat on the road. I don't know what it was. But all I know is I went by and saw buzzards smiling. I saw one licking his beak. And when I drove over, they drove immediately. They flew right back down on whatever they were devouring. God, I'm not sure if I want that bringing bread and flesh to me it sustained him. So here you are. You got the widow. The widow was blessed by God because she obeyed. You have a sun ray. This was God. This wasn't Elijah. I know Elijah stepped in. The fire falls in 18. You know, whoa, that's powerful. Look at it. No, Elijah didn't make the fire fall. Let let me tell you something. If you get your prayer answered, it's not because of your powerful prayer. It's because of a powerful God. It's because of a God who can, a God who knows, and a God who sees, and a God who cares. Okay, so we're dealing with amazing. What makes Elijah great or amazing isn't the works that were done. The amazing part on Elijah that I've got to see is the fact that he had such a trust in God to the point. To the point. I guess it started out he asked what some would say is a ridiculous thing. Don't let it rain. He prayed it and asked God, stop the heavens. What are you talking about? I want you to disrupt this world so severely. Let me tell you something, church. We're getting to a place where we can either sit cross-armed in a very comfortable position. Well, I know what I have in God. But also know what our world has gone through. I also see horrendous things going on in our world. And I'm going to tell you, as a church, as a saint of God, let me not even throw it in as a church, but as a child of God, I think it's time some of us are willing to take on the mannerism of Elijah and say, I'm getting ready to pray. I remember I had a cousin that uh, Roger Dwayne, our cousin. Now, we had a... Large family that everybody was in the church. Dwayne quit going to church and started acting like a complete. Thank you. I was looking for a proper word. I mean, he just. My grandmother, everybody. I wish everybody could have met my grandmother. She was she spoke with it. German-English accent. They came over, as they said, from the old country. Now, when my grandmother prayed, something happened. We were all outside Grandma's house where that front little porch was, and a bunch of us cousins, we were getting ready to just, I don't know, just go out, and my grandmother now, she never said this before. Dwayne was there, and Dwayne was there a lot of times. Grandma stood out on that porch, and she raised her hand and her finger, and she said, "Dwayne, buddy." And Dwayne was a big guy. He said, "I." She said, "I want you to know, I am going to start praying for you." That God gets a hold of you and changes you. Now, Dwayne was, Gavin, allow me to say this. You're petite compared to my cousin Dwayne. Okay? And allow me to say this. You're not petite. So Dwayne was very large. Very large. And Dwayne looked back at my grandmother, and I'll never forget it. He looked up, and he was petrified. He said, Grandma, please don't do that. Please don't pray for me. Please don't ask. And she said, I'm doing it. And I mean, she did. And Dwayne was not a happy camper. I'm saying that it needs to come to the place that we look at where we are and what's going on in our immediate world as well as in our world And God, teach me to have an amazing spirit of Elijah that Elijah prayed. Shut the heavens up. And before it happens, he declares it. It's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. But Elijah was in such a place, and he trusted God in such a manner that if he heard anything from God, without question, I'm going to do it. How many of you, if you were in this service and God said, I mean, I'm just going to make it as ridiculous as it sounded there. Uh, Don't worry about anything. Go to such and such place. I've commanded buzzards to feed you there. That may be how I feel about Mexican restaurant. But anyway, uh, And I'm sorry. Carlos, I like Mexican food. I'm sorry. (laughs) He would just wipe the taco off his beard right now. Uh, But how many of us, you know, I'm saying you've got to trust God enough. If God tells you to do something, I'm going to do it. I don't care if it doesn't sound normal. I don't care if it doesn't sound like something that an ordinary person would do. Because I'm hungry for God. That's what the amazing part of Elijah. Then James writes in the next verse, in verse 18, after he said he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and it rained not. The next verse it said, then he prayed again. And it rained. He See, this is where we're at with, with the man, with the prophet, with what's going on. He had enough faith in his prayer to stop the rain, and he had enough faith that God would then send the rain. He brought, for three and a half years, his prayer brought famine, but it brought a nation of Israel back to God. If we would ever maximize, understand the potential we have in prayer, this is what, to me, what Elijah is teaching me. If we would ever grasp what God has given us in the ability to pray, friend, we can move mountains. We can change cultures. We can affect and impact what's going on in our world. You want to learn from this amazing man about his, about how he was and who he was. Don't just say, well, I wish I could do some of the things Elijah did. No, you learn what I think the Bible really references as the amazing part, pray and have faith when you pray. Don't just make it casual. Expect, and this is something I think we need to do, expect what you are praying for that it's going to happen. Don't ever come to the place where I'm praying something and then you have a mindset that's, oh, man, I don't know. You just destroyed what you were praying about. Elijah, don't go to Ahab because the rain's not going to stop, if that's the point. When he went to Ahab and said, it's not going to rain, he meant it's not going to rain. And I'm going to do something. And then, you know, it, I'm not reading this, and I've got about five minutes here. But in the 18th chapter, you we've all known, because this is these are all interlocked together, 18th chapter 41, 42, 43, 44, it tells us that he prayed for the rain to come. He got in a position of prayer. He sat down and he put his face on the ground. And when there wasn't a sound or a sight or a hint of rain, he trusted in his prayers that God was going to hear. I guess the question needs to be answered. Do I believe in God? Do I? Do I believe that God would do what God said he's going to do? Then if you feel an unction to pray it, do you believe that God can answer no matter what it is? And he prayed and he didn't stop. I think there's a reason all this comes he sent his servants seven times. Go seven times. Go again, go again, go again. One thing that I have always questioned, and I'm not going to dwell on any of this, but the way that he went with such boldness to Ahab and spoke directly to him without fear. And I, in me, in my mind, I see him pointing a finger in his face. It's not going to rain. And then he turns. I, I think he had a look on his face, and he turned and he walked away. He, he showed no reservation to talk to Ahab. But then when we get to hearing about Jezebel, she threatens him. In the 19th chapter, it says he runs for his life. She threatened. Wait a minute. You're not afraid of Ahab, but you're afraid of Jezebel. You just went through all of this stuff that God's done for you. You just witnessed all of this. You've slain the 850 false prophets. Look at everything that's happened. And now he runs for his life. You know what? Even amazing people can get weary. Even amazing people. I'm saying this because this hit me last night. Just because you're walking with God and you get, you find yourself in a place where, uh, don't act like I must have failed God. No. Sometimes everything that keeps coming can just get you down. Even the amazing Elijah found himself in a cave in a wilderness, running away because there was a threat coming against him. And sometimes the best thing you can do, it's going to sound bad, find a cave. Get in it for a little while and let God replenish you. Let God visit you again. And then, where I really, really, these last two minutes, that I found the true greatness and amazement in this prophet. There's no place that it's telling us, and Elijah was sick and frail, couldn't continue. But it is during this time of weariness that the Lord approaches him, calls him out of the cave, and he said, I'm not finished with you yet. There's still a work. There's a king, a foreign king, but you're going to anoint him. There's a king of Israel you're going to anoint. But then he makes this statement in the 19th chapter, 16th verse, He said, I want you to anoint Elisha. The statement is, as prophet, to take your place. There's no argument from Elijah. What do you mean, take my place? You see... you got to understand something. We all do. God always has a plan. God doesn't work after the fact. He has a plan. Right now in every one of our lives, God's looking in our tomorrows. There may be something said in this service today that's going to impact your tomorrow. But God knows. Elijah Understood, And this is, okay, we're talking about amazing. Elijah understood with all the stuff that went on in his life. All this, these things that we can say, whoo, what a man of God. Elijah understood this was never about him. It was always about God. Today's not about me never has been about me this service is not about me it's about god it's not about how i feel what i'm going through what god knows the one the two the 10 whoever may be here and god's going to do something i need to let the amazement of what god wants to do take over amen Stand together, would you please? God, I thank you for the examples of these lives that have gone before us. I thank you, God. I'm asking you to touch us, help us to live it, help us to reach it. We walk with you and believe in you. Bless the remainder of this service we ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Take the next few moments. Shake hands with some folks. And whether you feel like it or not, smile.